Good morning. How are you? If you have your worship handout that was handed to you when you came in today, yellow piece of paper, you can open it all the way up to the inside and all the way on the right side. I just want to let you guys know that we do have baby dedication. Uh, younger children, doesn't matter. Uh, and we have first step coming up. Please, if you're, if you're wanting to be involved in those, let me know. Um, I just want to touch on that. But if, you, if it's your first time with us and you have your worship hand out all the way open like this, you just take your right side, fold it in one time. There's be, there'll be some blanks here. You can fill those out as we go through. Um, it just helps us to stay on track of what we're, what we're looking at today. But I didn't sleep much last night. <laughs> I didn't mean I got up and I got all jacked up on coffee. I just didn't sleep much last night. I was excited about getting here. Uh, I knew... Uh, I knew that there would be people that walked through the door uh, that had smiles on their faces. I knew that there would be people that um, were knowingly in complete need of our God and they were going to be coming into this, this building and we're going to join together in worship at our either 9 o'clock or our 11 o'clock service. And I don't know where you come from in life. I don't know where you came from this morning, but what I want you to know is that you're here in a place and we want you to feel loved. Uh, you're a part of our family. My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Connection. And uh, I have some really cool things to share with you this morning. We're going to be in, in, in a little bit. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5. So if you want to turn there on your, on your phone or your tablet or your Bible or whatever. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5. And if you're at Connection, uh, if you've been at Connection before, maybe you've heard me say... I'm going to get ready to talk about some of my favorite verses in Scripture. And some of you are like, man, everything is your favorite, man. Everything is your favorite. But verses 1 through 11 in chapter 5 of Romans is definitely in my top 10. Um, and it caused a decision that's number one in my life. But I will, I will, I will, I will just tell you that this, these, these verses challenge you and they will shake you, challenge you to the core of your being. Um, God's Word is not a, a fairy tale. Uh, God's Word is true. It's timeless. And uh, when we involve that into ourself, it brings out the impurities of ourself. And I know some of you go, we ain't got time for that. I understand. <laughs> I know. I know. I have them too. But if you... I told, I told the 9 o'clock service, you know, very seldom, very seldom does, do I just, am I able to get away with this, but I don't, I don't just go to YouTube and find a video and just, you know, the first one that I write, like, February 2017, cool church intro video, boom. And I don't just copy and paste that one usually. Usually I watch several of them. Did you hear what that guy just said? This is, now, this is cool because you and I can relate to this because we're both, we're all, we're, both, we're, all, um, we're all in this together in that we're human, we're selfish, and we're sinful people. Um, and if you're, if you're coming here, please don't say, well, I came to Connection and I was here for 30 seconds and Matt said I'm a sinful person and I'm getting ready to leave. Okay, here. God said that we're sinful people. Okay, it's not, I'm just reiterating that fact. But did you see what he said in that video? Did you hear what he said in the video? This is unreal to me. It doesn't make sense. Probably never will this side of heaven. But it says that God has all knowledge. So he didn't look in, forward into history. Now listen. Maybe, maybe you've been on an international mission trip and you were sharing the gospel in Haiti or Africa or, uh, or some different places like that. And maybe you just had a day that you, or a week or a time in, in history that you were just really, really, really close to God. And you thought, if you could look back, you go, you know what, that was probably my best day as a human. 
See, God didn't look forward in history and He didn't find that day that Matt didn't screw up as much. And say, well, right then, he's, he's not that bad. I'll die for him then. And in fact, it's the exact opposite. In which we, which we have no ability to fathom that kind of love in our finite minds. In fact, God looks forward through history and He finds me in my absolute utter lowlessness. Just this, this pitiful, sinful person. In all of my sin and all of my stuff. He looks at me on my worst day and He looked at you on your worst day through history and He said, oh, I love them enough. I'll send Jesus for them then. If you can, if you can grasp that idea, <laughs> because we all have our closets, right? We all know, we all know what's inside. Oh, we look great. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. You ever played that game? I'm doing great. Yes, I am. And you turn, you turn your back and walk away from that person. And you just go back to. <sighs> God understands me. Put on a fake front. We're, we're in the fourth week of loving God, loving others. And uh, we talked about some incredibly difficult things to talk about. Uh, if your first, if it's your first time with us at Connection, we, we want it really seriously. We want to say that you're you're a part of our family. We we are glad that you're here. But we've been looking at the last the last four weeks, and so I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you up to speed real quick. Number number one, we studied about how awesomely in love with ourselves we are. Yeah. I mean, that's difficult, right? You have, to, you have to admit that, hey, I'm in love with myself. And you may be sitting there, you know what? I'm not in love with myself. Okay. Um, so let's just say that you're not, which you are, but let's just say that you're not. Do you always choose to do selfless acts? The answer is no. That requires you being a selfish person. That means that you don't always put God first. You put yourself first. We do. Okay, we do. We do. We're selfish beings. We have sin in our life. And we, and we, we looked at that struggle. And we looked at how, in order for us to love other people, first we have to have a vertical relationship so we can reach out to other people outside of our, of our church walls and our community. How do we, how do, we do that? The only effective way, effective way to do this is to do this right. You have to. You have to. God says, I don't, I don't want to be number two. I don't want to be number three. I'm number one because I am number one. I have to be number one or nothing else works. Then we looked at something really, really, really easy. How to love people that aren't lovable. Oh, I got so many comments after this sermon. You don't know my neighbor very well, do you? You don't know how many times... In fact, last week, when I talked about this, I talked about the fact that, yes, our church is on the east side of Mount Vernon. Yes, that way involves trains, often. After the ser- I checked my phone after the second service, but after the first service... I got a text message from someone that came to the 9 o'clock and then they left. And it says, Hey, Pastor, thanks a lot. Stuck at a train. Okay, they're joking. But, but we, we often get, we get inconvenienced when there's a hiccup in our plans. We just blow a gasket. We just do. We just, we just go crazy. God, hello. You do not understand what I'm trying to do here. And we get so caught up in ourself, us, me. And God says, listen, in order for you to completely understand who I am, you need to love me so that I can show you how to love people that you don't think are lovable, but they are. Ah! 
God, do you know... See, we often, we often keep the same question. God, do you remember who I work with? Do you remember my boss? Now, if your boss is here, please do not text them or say anything. Don't look their way, okay? They don't want you to know they're talking about them. But this morning in chapter 5, we're going to dig into the first 11 verses. We're, this is... These, these 11 verses literally, completely, totally changed my physical, emotional, and spiritual life by leaps and bounds. Huge, gigantic. But before we get into this, I want to share with you, last week we had, we had a pastor visit our church. Think about that. We had a pastor visit our church on Sunday. Well, their church hasn't launched yet, okay? So he was free. Normally he's not free on Sunday, but he came. And I said, hey man, nice to meet you. I said, I know that you haven't launched yet, but I thought that you may not be here. You may be busy on Sunday. And he said, well, he said, one of your people invited me to come. <laughs> I said, sweet. <laughs> so, anyway, I got to go to their church and I got to lead a men's Bible study yesterday morning. And I want to share this with you because um, we, we talked about mentoring uh, yesterday in our, at, our, at our men's meeting. And it involves our scripture. I'm not, I'm not going on a rabbit chase here. But I was talking to the gentleman and I was saying, listen, we need to be, uh, as, as a general rule, the church over the last 25 or 30 years, uh, and if you've been involved in the church in the last 25 or 30 years, I'm not putting the blame on you. I'm, I'm there too, okay? But we've really dropped the ball interdenominationally, across every board. We've dropped the ball at, at, at training up individuals, at mentoring people to bring them up to replace us in leadership. We've really dropped the ball in multiplication. Uh, church numbers are going down, they're not going up. And when I talked to these guys about this mentoring process, and some of you know that our former pastor's name was Mike Davis. That'll come into play in just a second. And uh, there were some guys there that I just didn't know. Okay, I didn't know. And I was talking to him about mentoring, and Mike was a huge mentor in my life, and about how important that was, and how I really got the sight of of uh, of how how and where God has brought me out of and brought me from. So I I share with this gentleman and this this group and. Afterwards, we were kind of shaking hands and just kind of meeting everybody and I didn't know these guys. And he, he said, this one guy walks up to me, kind of got a short haircut, wearing an Under Armour hoodie. He goes, man, he said, that was awesome. And I don't tell you this. Man. Wow, Matt led a good devotion. That's not what I'm talking about. He said, man, that was awesome. And I said, hey, man, my name's Matt. What's yours? He goes, Mike Davis. I said, what? <laughs> the guy's name was Mike Davis. Just a cool thing that God was talking to us about yesterday. And God just puts this reminder in my life. And if you look at, at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 with me, you have it on your screen, on your phone, on your tablet. We're going to read the first 11 verses uh, together. Just follow along and then we're going to, we're going to get into these things. Um, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when, he runs into, when we run into problems and trials where we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, man, that's a tough two words right there. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us, for, for us sinners. And in verse 7, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. 
Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by, his, by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, he will certain, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. There's so much stuff in these 11 verses that's huge. The the amount of information is big. If If you are an underliner in your Bible, get your pen... Okay, get your get your highlighter, whatever it is. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I want you to grab in here. But this is a very difficult passage to deal with because when you deal with this passage, what you have to do is you have to read God's Word, you have to apply the context to it, give the application for this year right now. And what it does is it causes something. It causes, it causes you to think. It causes you to inwardly look at yourself. And as a result of that, you are, you are going to be issued a, uh, a question at the end of this that if answered correctly, if answered with a purpose, it can change your life. And some people really have a struggle with that word. Change is difficult, especially when it's inwardly. Okay? You know, maybe maybe we change the 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 construction of the seats, and maybe that doesn't throw you off. Maybe we maybe man, what if I we won't do this? So please don't do this on me asking you to not just don't do this. So we're not going to go into the parking lot and erase all the yellow stripes and make them this way just for fun. Yeah, if there's ability to put more cars there, yes. But and some of you wouldn't have a problem with that. If we if we had parking back here, uh, you could park back there, no big deal. But when, we, when God asks us to change something internally, something that we have a really good grasp on, and I like talking to people this way. I'm authoritative in my job, right? When God asks you to love instead of doing what you're doing, that can cause a serious mind issue, a serious heart issue. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, God. But today, I think He's going to encounter a lot of us today with this scripture, what's the world focused on today? 2017, even in in 15,000 person uh, Mount Vernon and Mount Vernon area, what is the world focused on? It's focused on you succeeding. You're only as good or as important as what you drive, right? Some of us are like, I hope not, right? <laughs> You're only successful with as big as houses you have. Some of us are again going, I don't know about that. The world looks at successes, what you've done, how you relate with people, how you, how you move around in this world and successfully maneuver a 30 to 35 year career, maybe more, and that you end up at the prize of getting to retire in XYZ Florida and you get to, if you, if you, do, if you do retire and leave Mount Vernon um, and you go south and you fish every day. We do. We look for a family vacation spot, so we'll call you. Um, but see, we we look at where can I where can I retire to? What can I do? You look at guys. You look at guys that play professional sports, and it's all about achieving the highest level in their sport, and it's entering the Hall of Fame. And then you can even it's it's so based on this that you can even look when the Major League Baseball 
uh, it introduces a new class to the Hall of Fame, they always have another list. You know what that list is? The guys that got snubbed. Almost. Just not quite good enough, right? Almost. If you'd have won a World Series, you'd have probably been in, bro. Listen, it's all about successes. And in fact, the New Testament of this book has nothing to do with what you've done. But everything points, from Genesis to Revelation, if you look at systematic, systematically through the Bible and you, and you study uh, theology courses in, about this book, it all points one place. It all points to Jesus. It all does. Because you and I can't do anything to attain heaven without Him. You're utterly hopeless, just like me. How about this question? There's going to be a lot of questions. Please don't answer them out loud because some of them could be embarrassing. Because I've, I've asked myself these questions. Where would you be if you were left alone to yourself? How good a shape would your life be in if you didn't have God to talk to? Hmm. How many of us probably wouldn't be here? Many, right? Look at your first blank in your worship handout. We can keep track of this. But check this out. In this life, it's not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus did. And you think, man, you know, Matt, you're 36 years old. You're lead pastor of a church. And all you're doing with this worship handout is giving us some cool Sunday school answers. I promise they're not all Sunday school answers. In fact, if you really apply this, we'll change your life too. In this life, it's not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus did. And I want you to, I want you to remember this. I want you to realize this. Only you know the answer to this question. I cannot answer it for you. But I want to ask you this question. What did you look like on the worst day of your life? Don't answer this out loud. Nobody wants to hear anybody else's worst day of their life. What did you look like? Now, without the help of God, how did you get out of there? You didn't. Some of you are like, the door's still locked. I have no idea. You don't have that relationship with God. He hasn't done what He's done for other people to you. He's, he's waiting for you to accept Him. Okay, so He says, it's all about what Jesus did. We can't get there. You can't be successful enough. You can't, own, you can't own businesses enough. You can't be in multiple Hall of Fames enough. You can't be the top best of anything ever enough to earn the, the, the eternity by yourself in heaven. You can't, you can't do it. But it's already been done. And this is where this world finds this, this, this book completely absurd. Now watch. This math question that I talk to you about all the time, this math question doesn't make any sense. And I just keep asking it, hopefully one day that I can answer it. Okay, this is, this is the math equation. God sees you and I, okay, in our worst day ever. And I know, so you're like, man, I don't want God to see me in my worst day. He's already done that. He's already seen it, okay? And in that worst day, in your worst possible place, He does this. He says, he says I love you. Have you ever loved your mate on their worst day? Be honest. Have you ever not loved somebody on their worst day? Don't answer out loud. But God looks at us in our worst day, our worst sinful moment. Whatever we've done, the worst. If you if you if you want to grade sin, God doesn't. He just says sin is sin. Okay, but in your worst burial of sin in that day, just whatever. God looks at you and He says, "I love them." Enough to send my son. 
And that math question says, God loves us. He looks at us in our complete sinfulness. We do not deserve anything that He can give us. Yet He looks through history. He sees our sin. He, get, he sends His Son, Jesus. Okay, So He takes all of our stuff. We ask, we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. And He says, thank you. I'll take all your bad stuff. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to cover you with Jesus' blood. And you know what He does? He does the most insane thing ever known to man. He says, we're even. We're not even. There's no way, there's no chance that we're even. We've done everything bad. God gives us pure goodness. We accept it and we, ha- and we get to spend eternity with Him. What on earth? How does this make sense? It doesn't. And you and I will never know the totality of that decision probably until we enter that eternal resting place called heaven. If you have a relationship with Him, you'll never know God's love for you probably until you get there. But it's what He's forgiven you from. And some of us go, you know what? You don't have time today to listen to all my stuff. No, I don't. But you don't have time for mine either. Look at, look at how he goes into verse 1. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 with me again. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Paul talks about the faith, okay? We, we come to a realization of who God is by our faith. And it's God's grace and love. That we enter into this relationship and says we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Just think, if you have a relationship with God, I just want to talk with these people. Because this is who this is who Paul is talking to. Since we have been made right in God's sight. He's talking to people that understand about this relationship. Okay? If you haven't, I'm going to talk to you in just a second. So since we've been made right in God's in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Now I want to ask you a question. In the last two years, I want you to think about the worst week of your life. Worst month, worst week, worst week, worst year, worst, worst day, whatever. I want you to think about that. Do you think you could have got through that without God's help? (laughs) Now think about this question. Think about your neighbor who may or may not have a relationship with Jesus. Let's say they don't. Okay, I don't know your neighbor. I don't know all of them. Let's just say your neighbor doesn't have a relationship with God. And they have borderline the same week events that you've had happen to you, but you have a relationship with God and they don't. How do you think that they get through life? I often, I often can't even fathom that. I don't know how you could get through something without God's help. I don't. You want, to, you want to find out why marriages are breaking and suicide rates are going up and divorce rates are up? You, don't, you want to know why? It's because the lostness of our country keeps increasing. People don't have anybody. They don't have hope. They don't have hope. But Paul's explaining to these people that you enter a relationship with God through Jesus. And after this verse, he goes into an explanation of benefits. Now, this, is, this, is, this is awesome. And whenever you check out the benefits, this is, this is something that I've never really understood. If you weigh benefits of doing something or not doing something, you know, I didn't break curfew because I knew the consequences. Okay? Many, many of you probably understand the same thing. I didn't do this because I knew that there were consequences for my actions. I didn't do that. Sometimes I did them anyway. You did too. Okay? And we did them. We just we didn't care. But look at... When you see the benefits of, of entering a relationship with God, it's so beyond, it's so beyond one-sided. Isn't it? The, the get for what you give and, and, and how you live the rest of your life. Look at verse 2. So he goes, he starts this, he says, because of our faith, okay? Because of this, 
Christ has brought us, because of our relationship with Him, this is very important, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Why don't you take your pen? (laughs) And I want you to underline, star, circle, write in the margins. Uh, I write, neither one of my girls are in here. Okay, this is still a surprise to them. I have, and I'm not a perfect person, so don't think, oh, Matt does something really, really cool. In In this book... In this Bible, this particular one, um, I have another one at home that I use, and it's pretty marked up, and I have side notes, and I'm going to give that one to Emma. She's my oldest. And this one I'm going to eventually give to Lydia. It's just a cool thing that somebody taught me back in the day. And I write little notes. I said, this meant a lot to me, and I'll draw lines. Okay? In In this verse, on undeserved privilege, right off to the side you say, do you, can you comprehend the value of this? You don't deserve it. You don't... You ever got a gift that you don't deserve? I played baseball in college, okay? We had a, we had a statistician, the person who keeps track of the stats. They came up to me after the game and said, Matt, you're knocking the cover off the ball. They're five for eight in the doubleheader. You know what the problem with that is? I didn't get five hits. I knew that. I was a perfectionist. I knew it in my head. And I said, did you count the ball that bounced off the shortstop's glove a hit? Yeah. It wasn't a hit, man. They had given me something I didn't deserve. Now some of us, at some point in our life, we just grab that, take it, and run, right? Hey, it's just another stat, right? It's just another pat, pat the stats, Okay. And we, and, we, and, we look at these, and we look at these things and we, and we take these gifts for granted and we undeserved privilege. What, this, what, what doesn't make sense to me is this. When you talk about undeserved privilege, we don't deserve to have the relationship that we have. But in 2017, we have to look at a word differently than that that we have to deal with in school, in churches, in our business. We have a generation of people and it's not just the new millennial people. It's not. That we've, we, have this, we have this kind of attitude. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see the number on my jersey? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, yes, I do, says the coach. <laughs> not blind. Yep, see it. Number 18. Okay, that's great. I said, yeah, but you missed a big, a big important part of my jersey. It's right here written across my shoulders. You see that? Said, yeah, it says Griswold. Great. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is our world. You don't understand. Because of this, because of who I am, I'm entitled. I want to catch today. I want to play second base. I want to do this. I want to do all these things. I want You give it to me, right? In a place of undeserved privilege, there is nothing that you have ever done that could possibly even begin to sway God's pendulum of judgment to the good side of you. There's not. Even on one day, and you know that you have bad days. It says, it says so l- listen to this, believers. It says, Christ has brought us to a new place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Yes! Now, if you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have a relationship with Him, think about this. What if I talk to you Let's say you became a follower of Jesus 10 years ago. What if I talked to you 11 years ago? Some of you are going inside your head, you're going, man, I'm so glad he didn't know me 11 years ago. You know what? I'm so glad that you didn't know me 11 years ago. 
I didn't, I'm so glad that you didn't know me 20 years ago. It doesn't matter where you come from. Connection is a place that says everybody's welcome. And we also say this, I don't, I don't care. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you're rich, poor, if you're green, if you're yellow, if you have stripes or spots. I don't care where you have been, but I am highly interested in where you're going. And where you're going completely and utterly starts with Jesus Christ. I want you to join that relationship. I want you to, I want you to feel confident and joyful. When you, see, when you see joyful, that's why you go in and see worship and you see people raising their hands. You see they're just, they're just excited to be here. Before the first service, I had a lady walk out of cleaning the bathroom and she was smiling. Think about this. When was the last time you cleaned your bathroom at home and you came out smiling? Some of you think, well, I should smile because it was a lot better than when I first walked in. And she had a box of Kleenex and she said, hey, could you please take this to the men's restroom? I'm sorry, what? You just got done cleaning a bathroom and you're happy? Why is she happy? Because she's understanding and understood where she used to be and now where she stands with God. She gets to. It's not going to be given to you. Okay, it's not an entitled thing, but she has a relationship and she gets to. But you say this, Matt, wait a minute. We can share we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Okay. We can share with us, with other people, what God has done in our life. But we don't want to go through the process and how we get to do this because it involves this. Listen. What about the problems that come up? Hey. Some of you are going, you don't know who I'm married to. You don't know who I work for. How in the world am I supposed to be joyful at work? When's the last time you walked in on a Monday, especially tomorrow, you walk into work on Monday and everybody, including your boss, is smiling. You know what you think? I'm getting ready to get punked. <laughs> right? There's their cameras somewhere. This is not right. This is not real. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says this. Look at the confidence he has. He says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. This is where people look at the gospel and they, pu- they, and they push the mute button. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. See, I'm a good person. I don't have to go through the problems and the trials. That's completely false. That's a lie that was told to you by the church. Get saved and it goes away. That's completely wrong. Actually, Jesus told His disciples. He said, um, The world is actually going to hate you, but they don't hate you. They hate what you have in you. Anytime Jesus said that to somebody, the outcome, the end, leaving this earth didn't really work out well. All the disciples died for their faith. Every single one of them. The one that survived out of the twelve, out of the thirteen actually, one of them committed suicide. So out of the, out of the twelve, when they replaced him, one of them was exiled after they boiled him in oil. It was a joyful, joyful day. I don't know very many people that wake up in the morning and say, you know what, today would be a great day to be boiled in oil. Why was he boiled in oil? Because of his faith. He wouldn't stop preaching. He wouldn't stop telling people about Christ. So they say, you know what, we're going to get rid of this guy. And they exiled him away from every one of his family onto this island. He says this, but Paul says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. This is very popular. Anybody ever done a couch to 5K? <laughs> Some of you are like, you're crazy. I don't ever want to run unless I'm being chased, right? Endurance, you have to, in order to be able to run a long distance, what do you have to learn how to do? Run short. You have to, you have to, you have to, develop, develop, and you have to endure. It's the same thing financially. 
how do you learn how to save for a future? You do it, you do it in steps. You do it with endurance. I'm going to be... And I, Dave Ramsey says, if you live like no one else later, you will live like no one else. That makes a whole lot of sense in a lot of things besides money. Live like no one else and later you can live like no one else. In verse 4, he says, "...an endurance develops strength of character." Some of you can tell me personally, and we don't have enough time today because there's a lot of people that could share this. And endurance develops a strength of character. You know as well as I do that there's been something happened to you in the last week, month, year that God has allowed you to go through. He's allowed you to trust Him through it and He's built your strength based on that. Your faith in Him has gotten stronger. Look, what it, look. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. God is there, isn't He? Now, listen... There's been times, even as a pastor, I go, God, you even hear me? Are you listening to me? Yet He never leaves me. I'm, I'm, at, a, I'm at a place where He says, I want, I want to see you. I want to see you serve me. That whole song, worship while you wait, I don't like the meaning. <laughs> I don't want to worship while I wait. How about I worship when you send it to me, right? See that mentality, that entitlement mentality of, of this world? Look at verse 5 and 6. He says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Now this is pretty bold. This is pretty bold because some of, you, some of you blame God. You may blame God. You may have blamed God for something that happened in your life. You say, you know what? You don't always know the answer because you weren't there. Listen. I can tell you that this is 100% true and I'll, and I'll prove it to you. And, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. This is God's hope. Okay, This is hope in God. There's no disappointment. Do you know why? Answer this question for me. When's the last time that God let you down? Not He didn't answer it the way you wanted to, but when's the last time that God let you down? I'll cut the study hall short and say this. He's never let you down. In fact, He's given you way more than you deserve and I deserve too. He's never let you down. There's no disappointment. Now you say, well, He didn't answer the, my prayers the way that, he want, that I wanted. If you revert back to the first sermon on this subject, is. We have to get unin love with ourselves. This is tough. He keeps going in verse five. Says, "For we know dearly uh, how dearly God loves us, because he, get, he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love." Science calls the second part of verse five. It says, it "says fill our hearts with love," or what goes inside of our head to tell you kind of right from wrong. And they say, "That's your conscience." No, it's not. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit telling a believer, hey, and maybe, maybe you're like me, maybe. You're a follower of Jesus and you walk through this world and you go, you know what, I really shouldn't do that. I know that I shouldn't do that. I'm probably going to do this anyway. Have you ever done that? Don't, don't admit it. Because you have. Okay? But we know how dearly God loves us because He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. He wants to guide us. And in verse 6, if you think, you know what, I've lived... I lived an okay life and I've done some good things. Look at this. When we were utterly helpless. Notice there's no option for you to be or not to be this. It says you are. It says, and when we were, past tense. Paul's talking with believers here. He says, when you were utterly helpless. Do you remember a time in your life that way? Ah, maybe it's a time that you forgot. Maybe it's, you know, I don't want to deal with that anymore. Okay, I get it. Maybe that's something that God has helped you move on from. That's great. But there, it, that time does exist, doesn't it? That time, that time is there, it's here, and you know. But when you can understand what the difference is between utterly help, 
helpless, and then when Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Do you remember that person or that event that maybe kind of coincided with that, that really low feeling? Yeah? You had those people? See, there's just the right time for several different things in our life. Christ died at just the right time. Did Christ die at a different time for you than me? No. But He encounters us at different times, doesn't He? I have a lot of, I have a lot of high school, junior high, uh, college students that, that I talk to, and it, I talk to. It's really funny if you want to, if you want to really get awkward, really start an awkward conversation with one of those a kid that's in sixth grade to 20, 21, 22, Start talking to him about their relationships with the opposite gender. It gets really awkward really fast. Okay, especially when they're not your kids. Okay, and I don't I don't get intimate with details, but I talk to them. I say, you know. Whatever, whatever it's called now, I said, you start talking with the opposite sex. How, however, this, however this goes now in, his, in, in high schoolville, it's, I start talking with them, and then pretty soon you're, you're seeing them. And I told the first service, I don't understand this. If you go from talking to seeing, you can see someone far before... Anyway, you, see, you, 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 you talk with them, you see them, it's maybe exclusively. And then there came a day in my life in February 28th of, of 2000. When we were in Fayette, Missouri. I was scared out of my mind. Out of my mind. I finally had enough courage to ask this beautiful lady that's sitting over here in the front row. I asked her, ask her this. I said, so kind of saw each other for a long time. This is way less awkward than it probably was. I said, hey, we, we, we've been seeing each other, you know, for a while. And then we kind of, maybe we, we dated for a little bit. Um, Did you meet my girlfriend? I tried to kind of slide that in. Would you meet my girlfriend? <laughs> See, that's important in our spiritual life because that's, that's a day that we started dating, okay? Now watch. The day that we started dating, I can go back and there's a, there it is. I have a start of our dating relationship. I asked her to marry me on, on, on June 28th. Um, and we got married in 2003. But if you want to talk about our marriage start, it's June 14th, 2003. Now you think, Matt, you're getting off topic. No, I'm not. Listen, there's a starting point for my marriage with my wife. I want to show you something. There's a starting point in that relationship. If you have, if you, if you're, if you're a person that has accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's a time and a date that you can go back to. There's a time and a date. Now, anybody that anybody that has, makes that decision in our church, whether it be a, a child or an adult, or, or I, I asked them, I said, go home. I've, some of the people that I've baptized and, and actually led to the Lord are in this room right now and they have it at their house. They said, I said, go home, get a piece of paper inside of your Bible, something, and write on mine, August 13th, 1987. I knelt beside my couch on Rural Route 3, Box 154 in Albany, Illinois with my mom at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I realized that I was a sinner and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And you know what? Satan wants to come and he says, you don't have that relationship, man. You don't have that. And I can go back to my Bible that I still have in my bookcase and I can open it up and I said, on August 13th, I gave my entire life to Jesus Christ. And it's nothing that you can take away from me, Satan. But if I stayed in 1987 with my relationship with God, it wouldn't be very fruitful. 
My marriage would not be the same if I left it on June 14, 2003. You know as well as I know, there are some days that you have to really work in marriage, right? I do, I do premarital counseling. And it's really fun. They said, they asked me questions like, what are the differences, you know, when we like move in together and we're spending all of our time around someone else? And I go, man, you're going to find so many things that you can nitpick about. The way they brush their teeth, the way they eat, the way they chew. Maybe it'll drive you insane. The way they hog all covers. The way they want to put their cold feet on the backs of your legs that are really warm and turn you into shock. <laughs> Listen, that, that relationship has to, and it will grow from that. But look, he says, when you're utterly hopeless, Christ came at the right time and died for our sinners. He says this, he says, I encountered you in your life when you needed me the most. <coughs> and sometimes people walk right by that. They say, you know, Jesus can help you. And they say, you know, that's good. I'm good. And for me, I plugged in sports, I plugged in my relationship with Mary, I plugged in different things that are more important with God, and as a result of that, it got completely out of whack. And look at the next blank. Look at this. This is, this is the easiest way to put it. Have you accepted that truth in your life? Have you accepted that Jesus did die for you, but have you accepted Him into your life? We're told some very, very strict Scripture in the Bible that there's a sin that is not forgivable. Now, now, let me preface this. I have friends. I have friends that have spent over 15 years in a penitentiary. Federal. If you want a grade sin. They spent time in jail. They've got DUIs. They've had uh, all kinds of relationship malfunctions. They've done stuff that they shouldn't do. Yet God is available and able and has, to many of them, forgiven them. But the one that you can't get away from is not accepting Him. Because without Jesus, He said, you know, and you say, man, Matt, that's not fair. That's, uh, th- that's just your opinion. When you have time, look at John 14, 6. Jesus spells it out. These are not my words. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and that's it. You cannot get to the Father except through Me. And that's what the Bible says is unacceptable. Look at verse 7. Look at this. Look how expensive the gift is. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. They deserve it, right? They deserve it. They deserve what they get. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Maybe it's it's a parent talking about a, a child. Listen, I love you guys very much. I love all of you very much. I don't know all of you, but I love all of you very much. And some of you are like, that's weird. Well, first of all, guys don't show that emotion enough. For real. Women do it fantastically. But guys, we don't do that very well. But he says this. Maybe... Maybe I really, really, really love you. Now, I would die for her. But she's different than any of you. She is. If you talk to my girls and you ask them, who's that to me? They'll say this. She's my special girl. She is. And they know it. Because one day, we're going to teach them how a relationship really works. Okay, they work, we work together. We put God first. That one day, they'll enter into a relationship with another guy. Okay? That they, they know how... She just said, this is what I'm looking for. I want a guy that treated my mom like I want to be treated. And I love you guys very much. I would die for her. I would, I'd, have a, I'd have a hard time. I'd have you all send in resumes. Tell me why I should. <laughs> I would die for my kids. Listen, this is what he's getting at. 
I would die for my kids. Now watch. You, some of you would do the same thing. Most of parents would. But he says, do that, okay. But it doesn't make any sense for Jesus to have come, looked at you on your worst day, and then still died. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. None. We will never know. the. I don't think that we'll ever fully grasp this love this side of heaven. I really don't. I really don't. To understand how God loves us. Look at verse, look at verse 8. If you're a highlighter, if you know the New Testament, if you know the book of Romans, this is it. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There was a group in the early to mid-90s, one of the first... They weren't one of the first... Somebody talked to me in between services and they said, this is one of the first Christian bands that actually could make music sound good. Does that make sense? You know, they were like jammable. Like, hey, alright. You know... But there was a group called By the Tree, and I was blown away by them. I saw them up in Springfield at Youth Encounter, and uh, and it's a youth, it's a Baptist youth thing up in Springfield. And this guy, man, I was talking to him, and he was so cool. I mean, he was beyond cool. He had sweet hair, which I don't have much of. He had sweet hair, all kinds of cool ratted up jeans and sweet shoes, and the cool bracelets that he got in like a mission trip in like you know Belize or some crazy cool thing that he's got to travel the world. And he just got done doing a concert. And I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm getting to meet this dude. And I look over, and I'll never forget this. He had a great big tattoo right here on his forearm. I couldn't read it, though. It's not because I was illiterate. It was because it's in Hebrew, and I don't read much Hebrew. And I said, hey, man, I said, what's your tattoo say? He said, I'm glad you asked. He said, most people don't read Hebrew. I go, yeah, I don't. And he said, he said no, that's on purpose. They have to ask me what it says. I said, well, "What's it mean?" He says, uh, and I, forget, "I forget his first name." But he said, "He said I'm gonna, I'll, I'll show you the verse that I like, and I'm, I'm just gonna use my name, but it's it's not his name." He said, "While well, Matt was wasting time in life, and he was a horrible sinner, Jesus Christ died for me." And then he told me the verse, and he told me where it came from, and he said, "All of this stuff that I get to do is useless without that." It's useless without hope. The Hall of Fame to anybody that gets there is useless without hope of heaven. And when you get to heaven, folks, there's not going to be a Hall of Fame section. Okay, if Clayton Kershaw finishes his career as a top left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball, okay, one of the, and he and he gets to the Hall of Fame, he's not going to be ushered into heaven. Based on his baseball ability, he's going to be ushered into heaven based on his relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's not going to be a Hall of Fame section in heaven. Oh, you were, you were carnally on earth. You were a Hall of Fame member. You get special... This is, this is not a resort with, with levels, okay? The fact that he gets to go in, you hear, you hear an I Am Second video on YouTube by him, and he will completely give his testimony to Jesus. He'll say, without him, I don't have anything. Look at verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 9. We skip, we skip one. In verse 9 he says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. By having a relationship with Christ, He's saving your life. And possibly not physically. But, after that physical life is over, there's two words that I really love. You ready? Because I'm competitive. <laughs> But this, this one means more than any game I've ever played. It says, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the next two words are awesome. It says, you win. 
Paul said it. He says, you kill me, I'm going to win. And if you don't throw me in jail again, I'm going to keep preaching. Look on, he goes on verse 10. He says, for since our friendship with God was restored, restored, underline that word if you underline, by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies. Would you die for your enemy? Just run that through your head real fast. Would you die for your enemy? Because when you were utterly helpless and you were utterly a sinner, you were an enemy of God. We don't like that. Yet God died for us. We will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Verse 11, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has done and He's made us friends of God. Now many of you have heard the song, I am a friend of God. Okay? It's great. Cool. Do you understand what it means to be a friend of God? How about this? You ever had a friendship that's broken? You ever have a friendship that's shattered? You ever have a friendship that's stressed? All those three things can be involved with the friendship with God, but the thing is, your friend may go away. How about this? How many people stay in contact with 50% of the people they graduated high school with? One. He's homeschooled. Doesn't count. <laughs> Look at this. No one. No one. See, you have friends that just... Because of Facebook, some of us are in contact with people that we would never even hear from again. Okay, But God never leaves us. He says, I'm never going to leave you. Once you start this relationship with me, I don't go away. Oh, you can run. Like I tried to. You've been there? You can run. Look at the last, look at the last blank. I want, you to, I want you to think about this this week. Where do you stand? And I know some of you are like, man, I've been, I've been a follower of Jesus. I've been a Christian for, for 50 years. Good. But every year, has your, has, your, has your arrow gotten closer to God or has it stayed the same? This is tough. A relationship should always continue to grow. Where do you stand? Your number, your position should be closer to God than it was last year. You say, Matt, that's not fair. You don't know what I've been going through. As a result of your experiences and your trials, by trusting in God, you will grow closer to Him. That is the way that you grow. You do not grow on a mountaintop because there's no trees there. There aren't any. There's a tree line. It goes away. Well, the valley, doesn't, it, doesn't the valley in between mountains look beautiful? Although if it's valley spiritually, you say, you know what, that's not the best place to be, but it's the best place to grow. Where do you stand? If you have a relationship with God, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, God is begging you to listen to me. Not just me, I'm a man. Listen to His Word. Jesus came so that you can have eternal life with Him. There is, no, there is no drone that you can get for a present. There is no place that you could eat as soon as you leave here that's going to be nearly as good as that. You will never understand the amount of love that He has for you this side of I don't think that we'll be able to ever understand it. Other than this, you'll be able to realize... Let me answer that question for you if you're asking it. Yes, He can forgive you of whatever you have in your life. Period. Exclamation point, and I will stand on it until I die. He can't not. He died for everything. Ever has, ever will be, ever is done now. Where do you stand with Him? It's not the size of the car or the house. It's not anything about what you've done. But everything about what Jesus has done for you on your worst day. He didn't die for us on our best day. He died for you on your worst day. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you have any questions, come and talk to me after church. 
and pray so we can be dismissed. God, thank You so much for the ability to come here and worship You. God, to come here and look into Your Word, to hear songs, to hear music, and, and to see people, to shake hands, to meet new people. God, I thank You for the people that are in the back teaching our kids. Thank You for the ability to come and worship You. God, we thank You for these people. God, let them feel the love of Connections people, but God, let them feel Your love today. In your name we pray. Amen.